we're going to open new spaces and we're going to enter new categories and we're going to continue to push and we're going to have this growth mindset. And you know what? Shit's crazy, but it's all about how you frame it and how you manage change. So it was a huge ask of our employees. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. And a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Well, today, I'm super stoked to introduce the co-founder, the Secretary of Defense of Madtree Brewing, Brady Duncan. Welcome, Brady. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're so stellar for being here today. I appreciate it. All right, my friends. So we always start with people want to know, where did you grow up? And I do want to know if you have siblings. I don't think I know that or not. Yeah. Uh, one sister. So, so my kind of my story is I grew up, um, Northeast Ohio. So a little high school football town called Maslin, um, Maslin back in kind of like the eighties was a big steel town. There was like Republic steel and all the steel conglomeration factory shut down. Um, so there's not a ton of jobs up there now. So kind of the whole city rallies around high school football. So if you're born in Maslin hospital, um, every boy that's born in Maslin hospital gets a little football. A little orange football because they want every board to play football and dare sponsors sponsors the football so on one side it's got the little ob ob logo the the tiger logo on the other side it says don't do drugs so i just like <laughs> to tell people that i i didn't play football and i did drugs so i just basically looked at the <laughs> at the wrong side of the football but in it's all amazing. serious nothing hard just uh you know <laughs> I, I had some fun in high school yeah well, you but no so yeah fun. so grew up there uh went to school at university of dayton um, did the old engineering PR switch, one of the harder majors to just about the easiest major. Um, after that, I was set on going to Chicago with my buddies, College 2.0. We're going to get a house in Wrigleyville. It's going to be an amazing time. And yeah. uh, my girlfriend, now wife, said, you should probably grow up. I'm moving mm-hmm. to Alabama to get my PhD at the University of Alabama. You should come. If not, it's been real. Thanks. And I was like, oh, shit, I got no plan. She seems pretty cool. So I moved down there with her. Um, I worked some god awful jobs. Um, my first job was I was selling. Uh, it was kind of like a version of, of City Beat here locally in Cincinnati. Yeah. But it was yeah. the uh, the the weekly newspaper. It was called the Planet Weekly, and it was a hundred percent commission job. I knew no one, and I was wow. selling advertising. So I think I actually calculated at the end of it, I made about a quarter an hour uh, for about the first. I worked there for about six months. Um, I got, uh, I got a little side hustle job delivering pizzas, which was honestly one of my favorite jobs I ever had. I was working for Domino's. Really? Wait, why? You can get really good delivering pizzas. So after you kind of like learn the routes, you see the orders come in and there's always like new kids shuffling in, you know, like rather than like punch in. So you get the next order, you let the new kid come in and punch in and he gets the shitty order. And then you get like the 10 pizzas to like the rich neighborhood and you punch that in, you get pretty good tips. Um, it was also awesome being from Cleveland. Uh, I actually got the radio station would come in like crystal clear at night. So I could listen to the, to the Indians, the Cavs had just gotten LeBron. Oh so gosh. I could listen to Cavs games. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, so, and then I down worked in at, Alabama, down Tuscal- in Alabama, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Hold on a minute. How much older is your sister or younger? Is your sister younger? Uh, four years younger. Yeah. Okay. And was it a big deal? Like, Maslin was small, 
to go to University of Dayton, did you have like scholarship? Did you have really good grades or no, none of that? I, I had a, I had a small scholarship. Um, I was actually, I was set on kind of maybe not even going to college or going to like a state school. And my best friend, mm-hmm. since I was five, um, he and I used to, we used to buy 12 packs of Natty Light and he had this little uh, pond in his backyard yeah. with, um, I still remember they had these two beautiful um, weeping willows in the back and we'd go sit up there and we'd drink, we'd each drink six beers, but we had actually watched, we went and watched Can't Hardly Wait, which right is, a, and I still love that movie to this day. So Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, it's a coming of age. Uh, it's okay. the final, the final college party. Um, Ethan Embry. It's kind of a hopeless romantic. Um, okay. So anyway, so we watched that movie, and it was kind of all about people going off to college. And I remember my buddies like, "You got to get your shit together. You got to go to college." And I was like, "Shit, this is our junior year." So my senior year, I actually like really took seriously and got good enough grades to I think barely eke into Dayton. So yeah, so. Um, and what did your parents do for a living? Uh, my mom's uh, always kind of been in CPG world. So she's Smuckers now, but she was Heinz for a while. Weight Watchers before that. Weight Watchers used to have kind of a plant in Maslin. And then she okay. kind of went, went Heinz bottom. Then she moved to Pittsburgh for a few years. Um, my dad was kind of an engineer, um, mechanical engineer. So, yeah. Okay. So you made it sound like Maslin didn't have much industry, but your parents both had professional jobs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad worked in Canton. Um, there's stuff in Maslin. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not, I mean, it's a town of 30 or 40,000. Um, well, I just made the assumption because it was steel and we all know that that's gone now. So yeah. I, I made that assumption. Okay. So they were, they had professional roles and your dad was sort of an engineer minded yeah. person. Yeah. And so was that why you thought I'm going to go into engineering? I did. Yeah. And, um, I, that, that's, that's not me. That's not my brain. I figured that out and pretty s- quick. And so you you didn't go into engineering, but you did eventually work in CPG, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. At Proctor. So four years. Okay. So connect those dots. So you go down to Al- to Bama with your girlfriend then. Yep. You're cohabitating. Do you like how I put the cohabitating there? And <laughs> Well, I mean, we after a year, we were, I think, legally married based on Alabama law. So common, <laughs> common law is like a year in Alabama. So... <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are living down there and you're delivering pizzas. You love this. And then yep. what? Um, I did get a second side job. So I have to tell this story because it, it, this is okay, a tell. podcast about failing. Um, yeah. I got a, I got a, a, another second job at uh, Books a Million. And um, it's, you know, Barnes, Barnes and Noble-ish back in the oh, day. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, and I remember I, I told the, I told the, the, the GM or whatever. I was like, Hey, look, I was like, I got this morning job. My only ask is like, I'm out of here by like 11. And she's like, Oh, that's cool. It won't be any problems. So I go the first day and I've got this like 16 year old girl training, training me on the cash register. And I'm like, yes. bumble fucking my way through it. And I'm just like, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, where's my life going? This is awful. And then at the end of the night, <laughs> it gets to be like, they close the store down and she's like, everyone must stack books back. So you go take all the books that all the right people took off the shelf and put in the little book pile. So you're stacking them. And I go up to her and I'm like, Hey, I got to go. Remember I told you the 11 o'clock thing. She was like, no one leaves until all the books are stacked back in their place. And I just got home. And I remember I just like bawled to my wife. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm in Alabama. I got this shitty job. My best job is delivering pizzas. There's just nothing going on. My life is going nowhere. Um, and then luckily, like the next week, I got this job for a company called Surf Pro. So they do fire and water damage restoration, those big, ugly green okay. trucks. 
Um, don't no kind of idea relation. what that is, but okay. Yeah, if you have like a, a fire in your house or you have a flood in your house, we come and dry it out or, or clean it up. So I was kind of like a sales rep, site manager. But it was a relationship sales job, um, which I loved. I did for I did that for a year. Um, it was a great job, not a good career. It wasn't a career. So she had two years left. I was like, perfect time to go back and get my MBA. So I went back to University oh. of Alabama. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I actually, funny, I, actually, I have a two master's degrees. I really don't even, I mean, I got the MBA and then I have like a master's in enterprise integration, which I have no idea what the hell that is. It's something IT. What, what, it was what? like, pro, it was like project management. I, 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 Wait, what, what, so when did you get that? Uh, that was, uh, two, 2007, 2008 or no, sorry. I moved here in 08, six, seven, something like that. Oh, six, oh, seven. Is yeah, that when you're working at P and G? No. So I, I got that. Oh. And then, um, the track that I went into this whole enterprise integration track, Proctor recruited pretty heavily too. And, um, wow. nothing against the South, but I wanted to get back North. So, um, Alabama is a decent MBA school, but they're not necessarily companies from, you know, New York, Chicago, even Cleveland aren't coming down to recruit kids from Alabama. So Proctor, I saw that and I jumped on that hard, um, did an internship there. And then my senior year, this program's kind of cool. You would basically manage MIS students and run uh, projects for Proctor. So I ran uh, projects for Proctor my senior year and then started obviously that next summer. So um, all in kind of the, the business analytics space, um, Yeah, which was really cool. So, And is that what you sort of bring to the table with your partner? Not really, honestly, a little bit, um, you know, I mean, I think I'm not naturally maybe a very detail oriented person, not that detail and analytics are the same thing. Um, but How are they different? Yeah, I'll, I'll use this. Like I really enjoy, I really enjoy doing analytical work, but if I do it for more than like 45 minutes, I get burned out. So like when I worked at Proctor, yeah. I would literally, I would work for about 45 minutes. I would get up from my desk. I would grab my my water uh, cup and I would take a slow walk around and talk to like four or five people, fill up my water and come back. Cause I just needed like that social interaction. I can't sit. My partner can sit for like 10 hours and stare at Excel spreadsheets and not look at anyone. I can't do yeah. that. So that's not necessarily me, but, but I think a lot of the business acumen, a lot of the kind of CPG experience, my second two years, I was on Charmin and puffs and just kind of seeing, I was under Scott mouths there. Um, but just oh, kind of, yeah, he was a yeah, guest. Yeah. He was. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great episode. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that that was, I think, a little bit of fine tuning to kind of go into to Madry here. So, okay. So, at what point were you like, okay, tell, tell the story of starting Madry and, and how the idea came about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'll just, I just, we'll just, we'll just give the open, open, honest one. It's, it's kind of a funny story. It was, um, my wife and I were going to the Unitarian Church here in Cincinnati. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And we met uh, my other two partners, girlfriends at the time, um, and they were like, "Hey, uh, our boyfriends um, are neighbors. They both homebrew. They do this beer of the week club um, on Wednesdays." So, it was Cinco de Mayo, two thousand ten. Uh, went over to like one of their beer of the week clubs and a bunch of mostly guys show up and bring six packs of different craft beers. And we just kind of like try beers. Um, I had started home brewing, they were home brewing and we hit it off pretty quick. Um, you know, eventually combined all of our equipment, moved operations to my house because I had a bigger basement. Um, <laughs> and really within four months, we had kind of said, um, we need to take a, we need to take a stab at this. Um, 
we were at, we were at animations here locally in, in Oakley, kind of a bit of a dive bar. Um, and that was kind of the night that, that we said, we're going to take a stab at this. So uh, we spent about two and a half years kind of begging people for money, begging banks for money. Um, it was a struggle to get money. Um, you know, they're looking at it going, okay, so you guys need, I'm trying to think what we were asking for. We're only asking for 350,000. Um, uh, but banks just didn't understand breweries and understand mm-hmm. equipment collateral. They looked at us and they said, cool, you guys have worked at, at great places. They were both doing uh, kind of defense contracting engineering work um, okay. at uh, a division of Northrop Grumman. Um, I had proctors. They're like, you guys are smart, but you have no industry experience. We have no trust in this. So we only got one bank to finally kind of give us some money. And then we just went out and did the kind of friends, family and fools ask um, and just anyone who would pitch in and give us money. So um, we have 54 investors or we did, some of them have been bought out since, um, but they're all no investor has more than like 1%. It's all kind of small money in, in the grand scheme of things, but we really bootstrapped this thing from the beginning. Brady, what was the, uh, in 2010, what was the environment like with breweries and micro brews and all that kind of stuff then? Yeah. I mean, locally, there a lot of them? Uh, when we started, there were 2,300, that would have been 2013 at this time, there were probably less than a thousand, um, maybe even somewhere, probably somewhere between 500 and a thousand. And I think what we were seeing is, I mean, our, our, our vision mission from the very beginning was we mm-hmm. saw this really cool beer culture in Michigan, Portland, Oregon, Asheville, uh, San Diego. And we're like, we want to bring that to Cincinnati and really felt like Cincinnati was and I respect the German beer heritage, but felt like they were just holding on to that German beer heritage. And we're like, that's cool, but that's not really what we identify with. So we want to make big, bold beers and we want to bring kind of this cool culture to Cincinnati. And I think, um, I think we're able to do that. And it wasn't just us. It was some other great breweries in town that opened around the same time we did. But I think we kind of, ush- there was a few, few local breweries here. I think there were six when we opened, but I think we mm-hmm. kind of ushered in um, us and kind of the breweries around 2013, that kind of new wave of craft beer in Cincinnati, which is now 60 plus breweries. I, I don't even know the full count, to be honest. I, I There's probably a third of them I haven't even been to, which is embarrassing to say for, for a beer guy, but um, there's a lot. So when you started this, was it because you loved beer too? Like, were you always a big beer drinker? I was. I like to say I was, um, I was atoning for my 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 previous mistakes of drinking copious amounts of beast light and natty light by by drinking <laughs> copious amounts of craft beer um yeah I, it was it was atoning. it was to me atoning um i think to me it was it was the same thing it was about building building something from nothing and that would apply to the beer um yeah always like most kids i love legos growing up just the idea of these yeah. very rudimentary basic building blocks that you can make something from. But then I think yeah. on the business side, and that's what I, I still get super excited about the beer, but the business side is, is, is really exciting to me now. And just taking what, little, what part of the business side is really exciting to you now? Cause you guys oh, have man. morphed a lot. Like, do you like thinking of yeah. like the next generation, not of people, I mean, of like what Madry will be or what, what gets you super jazzed? Yeah. Um, well, I'll say this first. I'm, and I truly believe yeah. this. I, I told our company this a week ago. I'm, this is the most excited I've been for the future of this brewery since we really opened it. And, and that was a time of a lot of nervousness. And certainly there's a little bit of nervousness now with COVID and all the craziness. But I think um, you kind of mentioned the morphing. We've gone through a really 
uh, I think, super fun transformation because kind of going back when we started the brewery, there were 2,400 craft breweries. Then we got to kind of 2017, 18 sales. We're going crazy. We're doing crazy well. One of the biggest breweries in the state. And all of a sudden we kind of looked around and we said, who are we? Why do we exist? And how are we any different than the other now 9,000 craft breweries um, in the country? And I think that was a bit of a moment. And, you know, I've always admired brands like Patagonia. We still kind of our North Star, but that was the moment we kind of said, we've got to elevate this thing. We've got to become bigger than beer. And that doesn't mean that we don't respect the beer. Beer is our foundation. It always will be. But we've got to think about like, what, what do we want? What is the legacy of this company going to be? And that's really that was a long process and we're still, we're still rolling that out, I think, to consumers right now, but that's where we really started embracing, right. Nature. And this was something that was always kind of right. I could use all the, the, the puns, right. We've always been rooted in nature and it's always been our trunk <laughs> and our canopy and all that, but I mean, the name's Mad Tree and it's Mad Tree for a reason. So, you know, we really started to embrace that. Um, you know, we put together a vision, which still to this day, I, I love. I mean, we, we very simply, we say we want to build a sustainable purpose-driven company our kids will be proud of. Um, and I think the key for me is the way that I personally internalize it. And I say our kids, that's really next generation. But I personally inter- internalize that is that means we take the long-term view. And when I'm sitting with my son 10 years from now at Madry at the bar, he's celiac, yeah. so he might not be able to drink the beer, but we have other options. Um, but when I'm sitting yes, with my you have mocktails too, I want to tell everybody that mm-hmm. and an uh, NA beer, which I'm drinking right now, it's very delicious. Dude, I love. I didn't know that was an NA beer. Yeah, I haven't it's had that good. yet. Really good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're the best. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I know, I know the kind of values that we're my wife and I are raising our kids with, and I know the kind of values that the next generation of kids are growing up with, and I want them to be able to look at this company right? 10 years from now and be like, oh man, like you guys do things the right way. You're super authentic about it. Your impact that you've had in the community is huge and lasting. Um, So that I think is kind of our North Star. So you kind of answered the values thing, but maybe can you share uh, what go a little bit more into those values? Because I know a little bit of some of the things that you all are doing for the community and for the carbon, what's it called? Carbon offsets. Carbon. Yep. Yes. Yes. So share a little bit more about that work. Yeah, um, I, I can kind of tell you values maybe on two different levels, although they, they certainly tie together. Um, we've got a goal of having $5 million of impact by 2030. And that is a, that's a huge number. So we're proud members of 1% for the planet, which basically means top line revenue. We give 1% of our revenue back to um, nonprofits and they're all local nonprofits that kind of align with environmental sustainability, um, waste reduction outdoor, there's kind of a certification process for nonprofits to come into that. So for us locally, right, huge partners with uh, Cincinnati Parks, who are great, Groundwork Ohio, um, and also a lot of organizations that are doing a, a really nice job of kind of the intersection, right, of environment and social justice, which is um, really uh, awesome to see and in, in a, a passion of ours. Um, and there's, so there's, there's waste reduction efforts. Our new building downtown, downtown will be LEED Gold certified. We're looking at how do we reduce here. We're looking at solar. We're looking at a lot of stuff. So I think like that's, that's really what we want to lead with. And that's what I think what we want to be remembered for is the impact that we've had in the community. I'll say internal from a value standpoint, um, we've, we've aligned our whole company around. There's kind of, we have three core, we call them behaviors, but three core values and it's connect, grow and give a fuck. Um, and they're, they're, they're pretty self-explanatory, right. Is, is connect as we want to be in touch with people. 
We want to take time to do that. Grow is we really want to have a growth mindset, right? Approach everything with a growth mindset, especially in the crazy times that we're in right now. We talk a lot about that uh, change is inevitable, but um, growth is optional. Um, So this idea of, yeah. That's such a goodie. Let's say that again. Yeah, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. I, I can't imagine the amount of flexing you all have had to do since COVID around growth mindset. I, I just can't even imagine. Oh, it's, and, and then, yeah, yeah go ahead, I'm go sorry. Ahead, go ahead. No, I was no, going to say, and then, and then you throw on top of that. I mean, I think one of the things, we've got a lot of really awesome shit that's coming to fruition like right now in the next three months, but that stuff all started really a year and a half, two years ago. So, you know, put yourself in the mind and there's a lot of companies, right? I'm not, I'm not saying we're unique here, but we're going to our company. And I think the one thing we did awesome is we did not stray from long-term strategy, even though COVID is right in your face. So people are sitting there, I put myself in their shoes. They're sitting there going, shit, I'm not sure if my kid has school tomorrow. I don't want to get COVID. I'm not sure if I've got a job tomorrow. And then I've got this all employee meeting where this asshole standing up in front of me talking about, we're going to open new spaces and we're going to enter new categories and we're going to continue to push and we're going to have this growth mindset. And you know what? Shit's crazy, but it's all about how you frame it and how you manage change. So um, it was a huge ask of our employees, but um, I'm super proud of the way that they kind of came through this and kept their eye on the ball. And the great thing is, right, I know we're not through COVID. Um, Obviously, right now it's the worst it's ever been. Um, but we've positioned ourselves that we're going to have a super fun year um, with new products, with new distribution channels, um, with the opening of a, what's going to be a beautiful space in downtown Cincinnati and over the Rhine. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, super proud of the way our people kind of handled that. I'm always intrigued uh, with people who can create long-term strategy. So when you're working on long-term strategy, is that you and Kenny together or is that just you? It's Kenny, right? I said that right, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kenny's my co-founder. No, it's it's it, it's the whole team. Um I will say I'm the I'm the process lead. Um I'm certainly very passionate what do you mean about the it. process lead. What do you mean by that? Um, I'm the one putting together plans. I'm the one calling meetings. Um, I've got a brand development team that is pretty heavily involved in that. So that's going to be our consumer experience director our strategic impact director and um, our marketing director. So that's kind of the core team of like, not necessarily that we're setting the vision, but we're kind of setting the guardrails for how are we going to attack stuff. We're bringing a director team in, we're bringing a lot of managers in, we're getting deeper in the organization, but we have a pretty robust kind of strategic planning process. Um, But I do, I mean, I'll say this, I do see myself, I'm definitely the, I'm the match, I'm the pusher, I'm the, I'm the all those kind of things. Uh, when you say match, like, do you mean spark? Yeah. Is that what you mean by that? And how do you come up with that? How do you come up with that vision or yeah. How how do you spark those ideas? What do you do to, to get there? Yeah. I mean, I think we try to as much as possible. Strategy is such a fuzzy fuzzy thing, right? Like what is strategy? It's, it's so gray. And I, and I personally like gray is my space. I hate black and white. I love operating in like, uh, spaces where there's no architecture, where you just have raw materials. And like, I don't know if we're building a house or for, you know, uh, I don't know, making something else. Um, so I, I think 
what you have to do is you have to kind of build structure around it, right? So we look at I mean, simple things like what's our SWOT analysis? What are our internal strengths and weaknesses, opportunities and threats? What are consumers saying about us? Um, who is our brand? Like, so we try to box problems in. So like for Alcove, right? We're looking at it saying, so- What's Alcove? That's a, new, yeah. that's a new space downtown? Yeah, new space downtown. So it's going to be this, okay. we, we call it a uh, uh, nook of nature in the heart of OTR. So it's just going to be this beautiful green space bar restaurant environment with farm to table food. It's going to be lovely. It's got a four season greenhouse, a patio with these big mature trees, uh, awesome cocktail wine program. It's going to be fantastic partnering with, in my opinion, top chef in the city, top three. I would say most people say he's top three to five. Uh, he's certainly my favorite, but, um, I think as we looked at that, we said like, right, who are we? So we got to harken back to our purpose and our vision. And you look mm-hmm. at business things, right? Like um, selling beer directly to consumers and other drinks and food is more profitable than going through distribution chain. This is a space I think we can we can own. Our tap room here is one of the largest bar restaurants in the city, so we've proven that we can kind of that 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 we can be successful in the space. So when you start putting a lot of those things together, I think that's kind of and it's obviously a lot more detailed than that, but I think that's what leads us to where we go. And did you learn those tools at P and G? Um, a little bit of that, but it's, it's an, it's an evolving process. We have a strategy consultant, um, her and I work pretty close together. She comes in and kind of does facilitation, um, with the team. And then also, um, I just did a huge reading kick, um, yeah. uh, about two to three years back. I did take a sabbatical in 2000, what year was that? 2019, I think 18 yeah. or 19, um, you know, it was, it that, that was, that was a bit of that crescendo of like, I was feeling like the business was a little lost and I was feeling a little lost because that was mm-hmm. that point where I'm like, who are we? What are we doing? We're trying to, there's 9,000 fish swimming in the same stream. We're all trying to do the same shit. We're yelling at our distributor to sell more beer. We're coming up with these new kooky products. It's just like, we're doing the same thing as everyone else. And I needed to kind of get out of the, get out of the stream for a minute, step off the treadmill. How long did you take a sabbatical for? Uh, I did like three and a half months and i didn't really I, I still worked but after the first month i was i was working a lot and obviously by the by the last month of it i was probably only doing two to three hours a week maybe max um and it was just a shit ton of reading i did some kind of just like local travel hanging out with some buddies hiking did a shit ton of hiking um it was really it was really good you know i think that's really interesting uh to kind of take that pause, right? Like when you feel the tension or you know that something's sort of off to take that time. And like the fact that you told me you can live in the gray, not everybody can live in the gray yeah. and dig the gray. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, th- I think what I've noticed about myself, which, which is really interesting is, um, that's where like, and I, th- this is the thing I always work on. Balance is always hard for me. I'm a very passionate person. That You know what I was going to say? Like, what's the benefit of living in the gray? And then what's the downside of that? Yeah. The, 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 the upside is the, the, and I'm not, I'm not a person who's, I want to be clear. I don't, I, I don't suffer from any sort of depression or anything, but I certainly get these highs and my, my emotions and my passion kind of ebb up and down. But I think I notice. And because I play in that gray space, I can fluctuate to be black and white at times. 
But when I notice that I'm more balanced, right? And for me, it's very simple, right? When I'm exercising, when I'm reading, um, mm-hmm. you know, all, all, the, all, the, all the normal things, um, I play in the gray space much better um, when I'm kind of staying grounded because I'm just I'm more alert to kind of help build those boxes that I need and my mind's working the right kind of way. So. You know, and I keep thinking, like, what is that probably like for your wife or what is that like for people at work with you? Yeah. Like, um, your wife probably has to be super flex with you, isn't, doesn't she? Yeah, she is. My wife is, she is, I kind of joke, she's like, she's a military general, man, which is, which is amazing. Like, I mean, the way she has our kids, like, trained, uh, and certainly it's both of us, but I mean, she is, she is the, she is the architect and the general here. I mean, you know, they get up at six o'clock every or six twenty every morning. They can't get up till their alarm clocks turn a certain color. They all have chores that they do in the morning. They make their own lunches. They pack. They make their own breakfasts. Yeah. I mean, they're just like marching out the door. And I mean, it's the way you got to be. And I mean, she works full time, and she she she's she takes on the bulk of the of the childcare too. So um, she she couldn't get it done if she wasn't that way. But um, but yeah, she's she's definitely flex, and she's been. Obviously, couldn't do something like this unless she was. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. I, I really that living in the gray is cool. Oh, okay. So connect, grow, and give a fuck. <laughs> That's yep. amazing, by the way. So the give yeah, a fuck I mean, goes back to environment, social justice, right? Is that what? Is that what? Is that? Yeah, I think it's both those things, right? It's it's. Um, I mean. So every employee at Madtree volunteers 16 hours, full-time employees. Um, and that is, that is pretty much a requirement. Um, and we call those give a fuck hours. So certainly everything we do around community and sustainability and that kind of stuff qualifies as giving a fuck, but then also like, and we have like sub behaviors that we kind of list underneath these, but how people conduct and manage themselves. We, we talk about that being give a fuck. So one of the things is like, thoughtfully challenged directly and with care is something we talk about a lot. Like mm. we, I, we want a challenging environment here at Madtree and anyone can walk in and thoughtfully challenge me. And we want people to be direct with that idea of being thoughtful about it. Right. I don't, I, we don't want an environment where people are being catty and talking behind people's back and uh, kind of just getting shitty with people. That's not giving a fuck. So. I love that thoughtfully challenge and be direct. Is that what it was? Yeah. We say thoughtfully challenge uh directly and with care which i think we snipe directly from that might be like radical candor or something like that yeah yes 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 yeah so so people look at you and they're like well i mean okay yeah he like was a pizza delivery guy but i mean now he's got one of the biggest breweries in cincinnati what's been the hardest yeah um the, pe- the people equation is always the hardest for me. I, I don't, if there's, if there's stuff that keeps keep me up at night, it's people stuff. It's never like, holy shit, do we have enough money in the bank account? Or is this new product release going to be successful? It's always just feeling like we're doing right by people. And I can tell you, like, I, um, I'm hiring a sales director right now. Um, I've gone through three sales directors at Madtree and that drives me nuts. And I think about I think back that if I would have been more mature or a better coach, could I, could I have either avoided mm. bringing this person in the role and obviously for Madtree, but for that person too. Um, and could I have coached them through and because right. Someone, when someone takes a job at a small company, they're taking a shit ton of risk. Um, 
you know, I mean, they, they're, they're taking this job because they believe in, in the founders and they believe in what this thing represents. And a lot of people here, I mean, you look at our, a lot of our leadership team have taken pay cuts, a lot of them decent pay cuts to come work for us. And right. they're doing that because they believe in this place and this, this place kind of aligns with their values. So that's a huge responsibility to make sure that we are um, kind of coaching, mentoring, choosing the right people. Um, because we've had too many times where, you know, frankly, as Kenny and I mature as leaders, where we've not had the frank conversations with people up front. You know, we've, we've had a few examples recently where people have just gotten like burnout and we could see it. But the fact that we've not like stepped in and been like, look, we got to help you, man. And yeah. not that we haven't offered help, but it's like this role isn't for you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's cruel. You know, there's, the, I love the quote that um, uh, clarity is kindness, right? And I think as a, as a growing company, a lot of people, it, it's really hard um, to have that clarity. Can we dissect but- that? Can we dissect that for a second? Clarity is kindness. Yeah. I mean, I think it, very simply, I just think you owe, you owe people, you owe people clear expectations. You owe them what's on your mind. You owe them um, you, you owe them the respect to let them know where they stand. No one should be surprised by something. So a lot of, you know, a lot of time you see it a lot when you promote people Such into managerial, you poke, and I think I stole that from, who did I steal that from? Oh, I know. I stole it from, uh, Brene Brown. She was on Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambach, sister's You're podcast. You're listening to that too? It was, that was an awesome episode. But yeah, she said Dude. that Brene Brown said it in that episode and that's where I picked up on it. Okay. Clarity is kindness. Yes. Clarity so, is kindness. I, opposite, I was thinking about the opposite, yeah, the opposite right? I mean, this is, this is, we've had conversations with managers before. It's like, if you're not going to have a tough conversation with someone, you think that that's kindness, but it's the opposite. It's cruelty. And when you, when you tell someone that by, la- by not having a tough conversation or by not being real with someone that they're cruel, that strikes people deep, but that's exactly what it is. It totally is. How do you stay humble? Because you guys have achieved a lot. I mean, you've gotten a ton of awards. What you've done is remarkable. How do you stay grounded? Um, I think two things. And uh, at at times, I wish I could manage this a little bit better, to to be frank. Um, I think one, I'm always looking forward. So... I don't really take time enough time to kind of look backwards. It's honestly one of the things that uh, our lead team has been awesome about giving Kenny and I feedback because Kenny kind of does the same thing. It's like, guys, we don't, we don't take enough time to celebrate the wins. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's not healthy from an organizational standpoint. It's really not healthy from a personal standpoint too, but I think trying to take steps back and kind of like, yeah, um, appreciate, I think what, um, what we've done. So, I, and then I think the second thing is I, I honestly have, a, I have an awful memory. I really do. So, um, it's just, it's God awful. I know it's from all the beast lights I drank in college or what it is. Um, or the, my sophomore year of high school, I smoked a lot of pot. It's only for a year, but, um, so maybe it was that, but, uh, so yeah. So why does I, it just, matter? I don't know. Why does it matter that you can't remember? Cause you're constantly being like, okay, yeah, I mean, you're, like, you're apologizing. You don't have, a, you don't. Like some people can't apologize. I'm guessing that you don't have a hard time apologizing. Like no, if you know you messed up. Oh, I don't. I don't. You I, own it. I don't know. I don't. I guess because I don't take maybe enough time. I don't know. It's it. I don't. 
I'll be honest, I, I don't, this, I hope this doesn't come off like terse. I, I don't, it's not, it's never something I work on to say, Hey, Brady, let's, let's try to be more humble. Um, it's just not something I ever really like to think about. Um, I think just because I'm always, I'm always generally thinking forward. So yeah, it's great that we built this thing. Yeah. It's awesome. But like, I'm looking at like, what are we doing? What are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing next year? So, um, I don't know. I just, that's, sorry, it's a kind of a shitty answer, but it's not something no, I think not. about a lot. No, it's not. I, uh, so I am, you know, I think everybody just has like innate talents, right. Or preferences. I'm very futuristic too. And I yep. am always thinking about the future, which can be good. But then when I have, then I miss out on what's happening here and today yep. and I'm not like enjoying the moment or, I'm, or yeah, I'm not appreciating the moment because I'm always looking for something bigger and better out there. Yep. And uh, so I, I get that. I totally yep. get that. Yep. Yeah. It's a curse. <laughs> it's a curse and, and it's, it's a blessing, right? I mean, it it's is. like what we're good at and yeah. it's what gets us excited. So yeah. You know, well, it's always, it's always like funny. Said, like I think th- this is a weird thing to say, but like, if I'm, um, I had this like little hunting cabin on my property, it's really cool. It's just right up in Madisonville, um, where my house is, but, um, I have people wait, over I'm just often. A, hold on, hold on a minute. You have a hunting cabin in Madisonville. It's so bizarre. It's this property okay. we bought super cheap. It was been there since I think 1920, maybe earlier. And I just finally saved up enough money to renovate it, um, last year. So it's like, it's my happy place. I got okay. piano, and piano down there and guitars. You do? And, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Wait, do you have your, your uke? You got the oh. ukulele? Oh, I've got the yeah. uke. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, so people that don't live, live in Cincinnati, Madisonville is a, uh, it's a part of city of Cincinnati, or I don't even know, proper. And it's not uh, the country. <laughs> it's no. like, yeah, it's a... It's a neighborhood. So that's yeah. hilarious that there is, that you have that. Okay. Yeah. Wait, why were we just talking about that? Yeah, so, why would we no, just say I, that? Yeah. Sorry. I was saying like, kind of back to this, like always looking in the future. It's, it's funny when I, yeah. um, when I have like people over, um, like the best part about having people over should be like when they're there. And I think yes. I actually, the most enjoyable time that I have is like the 30 minutes before they get there when I just like go down and I'll have like a bourbon and I'll sit there and just like play piano. And it's like the anticipation that people are coming over and it's going to be fun. And I think I actually enjoy that more than when they actually get there, which is fucked up. <laughs> okay. So if I'm going on a vacation, I much prefer the planning and the expectation of the yeah. vacation versus the expectation. I'm the same or way. Versus the vacation. I'm the same way. And I'm not even a planner. Like like going to the airport when you're going on like an awesome either. vacation, it's like, fuck yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like. I, okay. I'm a controller. So I do want to know about the plan, but I don't, I can't get into every single detail. Okay. Anyway. All right. Uh, first of all, I think you're amazing and thank you for being on the show. You are too. Thank you. Thanks buddy. We had to move this because we had some technical issues last time. So thank you for coming again. Absolutely. What do you want to close with that we haven't talked about? Oh, I don't know. Um, what would you want your kids to know? Since you brought up your kids before, and let's say they listen to this 20 years from now, what would you want them to know? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I'm fixated on the, the name of the podcast right now, so I'll, I'll, 
I'll chase that one down. I think this idea of failing forwards kind of a really, uh, really cool concept because is it really failure if you're moving forward? Um, and right. And I know that's, that's the that's whole right. thought behind it. So I think, right. I think it's actually funny. We, we, when we came up with our new kind of purpose and vision, we actually sent a survey out um, and it was beautiful. We sent the survey out to all of our employees and we said, Hey, what's the one thing that you want that you want to impart upon your kids or the next generation of kids. Actually, it wasn't a survey. We just did an email. It's one of our like Monday morning emails right during the middle of COVID. We got like 35, yeah. 35 people to reply, or maybe even like 40. And the company was, you know, 80-ish, 90 people at the time. And that actually became a little bit of the catalyst for how we kind of wrote our vision statement that I mentioned earlier, um, a sustainable purpose-driven company our kids will be proud of because our kids, you know, you know, all the things that people said, but the big thing that kind of came through is this idea of, obviously, I want, I want resilient kids, right? You want kids that are resilient. You want kids that have a growth mindset. You want kids that are adaptable, uh, uh, can, can uh, manage change. And you want kids that look at failure as failing forward. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of cool. So, you know, I never know how these episodes are going to end. And every time I get into an episode with somebody, I'm just like wowed. And that was the perfect ending to the, like it's our bookmarks, right? About your kids. And I, I just keep thinking as people are listening to this, they're going to think about what is it that I want my kids to, to remember or to know? And um, yeah, that is very cool. Very cool. Wait, I need to know how many kids do you have again? Three. Yeah, That's so what I, thought. I was going to guess that, but I, yeah. Yep. Eight, six, or sorry, nine, six, five. Yeah. Nine, six, five. Boys, girl, boys, girls, what? Boy, girl, boy. Boy, girl, boy. Yep. And, and do all three of them go to the hunting place with you? Uh, I let them come down sometimes. Depends on the this, this situation. They actually, for Christmas, yeah. we just got them their own like little, small little wood cabin that we had some guy build for us. Um, and they love it. It's their little tree house, playhouse, whatever you want to call it. So it's adorable. It's adorable. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Thank you for being on today. You're Thanks for so having me. Ass. Yeah, yeah. Really pumped. This was a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, I, I, I'm a big fan. So yeah. Thank you. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. 